Good morning. I am glad you've joined us this morning as we're going to be studying God's Word. I am thankful for those who are regular attenders and watchers on our podcast. And I uh, am glad that you're with us this morning. But also for those who have just been going through and have found us, we're glad you're here as well. And as some of you will note and be glad to know that it is also on Facebook, so you'll get to see as well as just to hear whichever you prefer to do. But I'm glad that you're here on this morning, that you're going to join us as we're going to study God's Word together at Crossroads Fellowship with you as you listen in your home there. I want to share something with you that God has been dealing with me about, especially in the last few weeks of what we see happening in our nation I believe that God is dealing with his children even more than he's dealing with the world who is not his child. And I believe that God is calling his people to begin to be what the church is supposed to be. I sense a move, a stirring of God's spirit in our nation and in our churches And I believe that through all that we're going through right now, God is calling out His church to be more than we've ever been before, to be what He wants us to be. And so for the next three Sundays, God has just led me to talk about ordinary people who God used to do extraordinary extraordinary things. And I believe that's what God wants to do in our church and in our churches now, and especially at Crossroads. So we're going to be looking at some of these people in the next few weeks as we study this in a short series together. I want to encourage you as we study this that God can do more with our lives than we've ever imagined, and certainly more than we've ever allowed Him to do. And this morning, as we begin to look at the lives of people, just ordinary people, that God used in a mighty way, I want you to know that He can do the same with your life and my life. Now, the last few Sundays, we've gone some in the past and talked about this man, Moses, but I want to go more in depth with Moses as we look at him today. Moses was a man who God used in a tremendous way. You know that even if you don't know a whole lot about Moses. But Moses was a man that God gave the Ten Commandments to. Moses was a man that God used to bring the children 
who had been in slavery for 400 years to bring them out and turn them into a nation. God used him to write that five books in the Bible, which give us so much about the early beginnings of God and dealing with his people. And then we also know that God used him not only in the first five books, but he had written some of the Psalms as well. So I want us to look at the foundation that Moses laid for his life because that's the foundation that we'll have to lay for our life as well. In fact, Hebrews 3 verse 5 says, Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. In all of God's house, he was a servant. He was a faithful servant, God's word tells us. A ministering servant. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but Hebrews compares Moses to Jesus Christ. Our text this morning that I want us to look at is in Hebrews 11, verses 23 through 27. I hope you have your Bibles and you'll turn to that and you'll uh, follow along as we look at Moses and the right choices that he made. Hebrews 11, verses 23 through 27. Listen to God's word as you follow along. By faith... Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they were the child, because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the resources of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And then the final verse, verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeking him who is invisible. I want you to see some things there just a moment that... Moses settled in all of this. Four key issues that you and I are going to have to settle if we've not settled them yet. Write these on your outline before we pray. First was the issue of identity. Who am I? Moses settled that. Next, there was the issue of responsibility. What will I do with my life? He had done that, made that decision. And the third is the issue of priority. What is really most important in my life? And then the fourth, the issue of difficulty. How much am I willing to commit? Those are four issues, key issues that all of us have to decide if we're going to be ordinary people that God's going to use in an extraordinary way. And so this morning, I'm praying that God gives us that as we look at it. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that the lack of peace in our hearts would help us to understand that we are missing out on your abiding presence. Use this unrest to draw us closer to you. In Matthew, you tell us, if the house is worthy, 
let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And so may our restless heart turn us to you. Father, I pray that Jesus Christ will be lifted up as the answer to our greatest needs. Mercy and peace from you is what we need. And Father, I pray that as you give this to us, we will realize that you comfort our hearts in all afflictions when we trust you so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any afflictions as well. So thank you, Father, for your presence this morning and thank you for your presence in all that we're experiencing as your people and as the world. And I pray your anointing upon your word. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. What Moses does is the foundation that all of us are going to have to do. These four things are the foundation that will cause us to be all that God intended for us to be in our personal life and will prepare us for what God wants to do in what He's working through right now. I believe things that you and I cannot imagine He has in store for us. First thing that Moses did was he discovered what God had made him to be. Have you done that yet? You remember some years ago, in fact it was in 2015, that it was revealed that two young ladies that were 10 years old were swapped at birth in the hospital. They were given to another parent other than their own. And it wasn't until 10 years later that this was discovered. So for 10 years, they'd been raised by another family that they thought was their family. You remember that story, maybe. Well, this is the identity crisis that Moses had to deal with as well. Moses was living in Pharaoh's palace. He was Pharaoh's grandson in that opulent palace in the greatest nation on the face of the earth at that time. But Moses had an identity crisis. He had to decide, who am I? Am I a Jew or am I Egyptian? Am I a slave or am I royalty? And the consequences of that decision would affect the rest of his life. If he chose to say, I'm Pharaoh's grandson, he'll have fame and fortune and life of luxury and promises and a career and an heir to the throne, the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth. But if he decides to choose and say, I'm Jewish, I'm a Jewish slave, he will be rejected and despised and be thrown out and will be humiliated and he will live a life of a slave for the rest of his life. And with these two very diverse consequences, Moses refuses to tell a lie. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of character. He's a man who made the right decision in a difficult condition that he was involved in. Hebrews 11 verse 24 says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You hear that word? Refused. That's an interesting word. It's arnetomai in the Greek. And what it means is to disown or to reject 
are to settle once and for all. You never go back and visit it again. Once you make that decision, that's the final decision that you will make. And Moses said no. Now no is a hard word to say, isn't it? A difficult word to say, especially in our times that we live in. He insisted on being what God had called him to be. No amount of peer pressure, Nothing was going to convince him to change his mind. God had made him for a purpose. And God has made you and he's made me for a purpose. And he wants us, you and I, to know what that purpose is. God wants us to know. And if you don't do what God has planned and designed for you to do, then who's going to do that? That's the place that God intended for you and I to be. And if we're going to meet what God is bringing into us during these days, we have to be what God has called us to be. We have to discover that and we have to live that. Romans 8:28 and we know that for and we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. So, have you discovered what God has made you to be? Let me give you a second thing that Moses found out and that he settled. And I will have to do the same and you will too. Moses found out that we must accept responsibility for our life. He accepted it for his life. I'm saying we need to stop making excuses. We need to stop blaming others for the circumstances. And we need to take the initiative for our life. Hebrews 11 verse 25 says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He chose. Do you see that in that passage? He chose, the Bible tells us. This is really what this message is all about. Choosing. If you want to make an impact with your life, it's really your choice. It's really up to you. It's about choices. You are as close to God as you want to be. You're in God's Word as much as you want to be in God's Word. You are as happy as you want to be. It's really up to you. That's what God's telling us through the life of Moses. God has given you freedom of choice, and the choices you make will determine your future. In verse 24, you notice that Moses refused. But in verse 25, Moses chose. He's refusing those things that he needs to refuse, choosing those things that God has planned him to be. He followed a negative with a positive. In verse 23, God chose Moses as the baby. But in verse 25, Moses chose God. You see that? And the reason that God chose Moses was that Moses chose God. That's what all this is about. In verse 24, you see the phrase, by faith Moses, when he had grown up. The mark of maturity is when you and I grow up. When we're no longer living off of somebody else's faith, but we have made that choice for ourselves. That's what he's talking about. When he was grown up, he no longer could live off of the faith of his parents. But he chose to go with God Because that's what he wanted. That was the choice that he made. Let me give you three facts right now about life under that particular place that we're looking at. First of all, I can't live off of others' spiritual commitment. 
I don't know if you've ever heard that said, and I have many times. When I've talked to people, they would say, well, my parents were really Christian people. I had a grandmother that was just a saint. She did so many things. And they would talk about the relationship of those in their family, but never talk about their own relationship with God. They were trying to live off of somebody else's. I'm talking to some people this morning who are in your teens right now. I want to tell you something. It's time for you to grow up when it comes to spiritual things. It's time for you to decide, where am I in God's plan for my life? Where am I in the facts of life that I'm supposed to live right now? I cannot live off of others' spiritual commitment. How long has it been that you've been going that way before you were living off of someone else? There's a second thing that I want you to see in these facts of life. I can't blame others for the direction of my life. We want to do that. Society says the exact opposite. Society says it's not your fault. It's somebody else's fault. You had a bad experience in a marriage. You've been in a bad environment. You can blame others for what's going on because that's the reason all this is happening. But friend, I want to tell you, you have to take blame and I have to take blame for our lives, no matter how messed up it is. Remember, you spell blame, be lame. That's what we usually do. You can't blame other people for the direction of your life. You can't control the circumstances that influence your life, but you can choose how you're going to respond to those. There's a third thing about facts in life that I want you to know. No one can ruin my life except me. I'm free to choose my response. I've got to do that. Well, as we've looked at these, God talks to us about this also. I must discover what God has made me to be. Have you done that? And then I must accept the responsibility for my life. It's what we've just talked about. But let me give you this third fact of life that we're looking at in the, in the choices that Moses has made. If I'm going to make my life count, I need to settle some issues. I must establish a value system for my life. Value, a value system for my life. I need to clarify what's important. Moses settled that issue in his life. And it is so plain how he did that. In Hebrews 11 verse 26, the Bible says he considered, just put that word somewhere in your mind right now. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. He considered. You know what that means? He gave regard to it. That means he evaluated it. He considered it. He weighed one thing against another to try to figure out. He judged it. That's not something you do quickly. You don't just go out to lunch one day and say, I'm going to decide what I want my life to be like. I think I'll just have money, make money. That's really all I want to know. You don't do that. You settle down and you think about this and you pray about this. Moses regarded it and he considered it. He considered for a time before he made the decision. And the, the, the decision that he made was vital, was an important decision. Most people have never done that. They've not done that at all. And their lives are like tangled wire. They don't know where they're going or where they're headed. They don't know what they want to accomplish. They have no idea. They've never really thought about what's important and what is not. You need to establish a value system for your life. You need to say there are some things I'm going to build my life on and some things that are important to me. 
And I'm going to build my life on those. You need to write those down if you haven't. You don't decide what is important in your life with other people telling you. You decide with what God's telling you. What others will do, they'll try to get you to be somebody else other than you. You'll have to decide the values for your life. The world will be more than happy to decide for you if you'll let them. They'll pressure you into that mold if you allow them to do so. We have a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, they call themselves today, who have already fitted themselves into the world's mold and the world's system. They're living that system without thinking about it rationally. They've automatically already adopted it. What is a world's value system? Well, Moses pointed that out too. First, it's power and prestige. There in verse 24, we say, I want to be famous. And then pleasure, that was in verse 25. And the world says, I want to feel good. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. I want to be a part of it. I want to be happy. I want to have fun. And the third is possessions. In verse 26, uh, Moses talked about that. I want to make a fortune. I want to be wealthy. I want to have opulence. Friend, I want to tell you, the devil really doesn't have a whole lot to offer you. Those three things is all that he has. Parents, you ought to sit down with your children someday and notice the television commercials. Every one of them are in those one of those three categories. Every commercial you'll see. Every one of them. It's, an either, it's either an ad that promises pleasure or that promises power and prestige or that promises more position or rather more possessions. All of them fit into that. That's what Moses had to make a choice from. What his value system was going to be. What he was going to get out of all that. What's ironic about this is Moses already had all those things. He had every one of them. He made his decision in spite of all that. He had all the power that he wanted. He was a part of the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. He had all the power and prestige a person could ever want. And he had possessions. The wealthiest nation on the face of the earth. He was going to inherit that as leader of that. He already had that. He'd had all of those things. He had power. He had prestige. And he had pleasure. Why, you could have had your grapes peeled if you wanted them, anytime you wanted them. That's how much pleasure he could have. The wealth of the world was was concentrated in Egypt. Moses had all the big three, every one of them, power, pleasure, possessions. What's amazing about this man is that he walked away from it. Moses walked from the very three things that most of the world is trying to have today. Why? Because he knew they wouldn't last. The world's values do not last. They might last five years, probably won't. They sure won't last a lifetime, and they sure won't last an eternity. Moses said no to those things, and he said yes to God. Some of us have realized that when you say yes to God, by necessity, you're saying no to some things of the world. It's easier to say yes to God than it is to say no to some of the things of the world. In fact, what the world will tell us is, yes, you can have Christ, but you can have all those other things too. You can have those as well. I want Christ, 
plus the world's value system. I'm just going to tack Christ onto my lifestyle. And I will serve him in the time that I serve him, but then I will live for the world the rest of the time. Basically, I'm buying into the world system when I say that. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Too many Christians are afraid to say no to the world's value system. I might be losing something if I say no. Friend, if you don't say no, you will be losing something. You'll be losing a lot. You will lose your happiness. Compromise only brings misery. You cannot live for the world and the Lord at the same time. Learn to say no and say it now if we're going to be prepared for what God's bringing. Learn to say with conviction, I am not going to be sucked up into the world system. This hollow life system that says life consists of pleasure, position, and possessions, and prestige. It doesn't last. Don't you buy into that. While everybody around me is buying into that, I am not going to. I'm going to stay what God had given me to follow Him with. That's what He's saying. And Moses went against the flow, and so will you and I when we decide to follow God. That was Moses' value system. Three things that he discovered. I want you to discover those there on your outline. God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. Goodness, we don't know that, do we? Moses said, God is the plan for my life. I'm supposed to lead those people to freedom. And Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He wasn't going to abdicate what God had called him to do. I'm going to give up the prestige. I'm going to give up the power. I'm going to give up the popularity because it doesn't last. It doesn't last. Last year's superstars are next year's has been. The trip from hero to zero is fast and short. You can live for popularity, but it doesn't last very long at all. I'd rather have or I'd rather do what God's told me to do than to be, to, than to be in this place of power and prestige is what Moses was saying. Let me give you a second thing about Moses' value system that he discovered. People are more valuable than pleasures. Verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God. Now they were in slavery at that time and it was mistreatment than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The Bible always tells the truth. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin. The Bible says sin is fun. And if it wasn't fun, people wouldn't be doing it. God doesn't hide that from us. But I want you to notice also that the Bible says something else about the pleasures of sin. It doesn't last. It doesn't last at all. If, if, pleasures, if pleasures being the next Pharaoh... He could have had that. He turned his back on that. He said, I'm not going to do it. It doesn't last. It doesn't last at all. God had called me to lead these people out as a nation. And that's what I'm going to do. He stayed the course. Nobody would have ever known Moses had he chose to stay with the pleasure and the prestige. He'd just be another dried out mummy somewhere down in Egypt. 
But he chose discomfort over pleasure. Man, that's unheard of today, isn't it? It is. It's foreign to us. David said, no, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do what God has planned and prepared me to do. He did it for the sake of people. It's what he did it for. Most of us want to serve God and we want to serve people, but we only want to do it when it's convenient. He said, I'm going to do that. We have a convenient Christianity. Well, Moses discovered the third, the third thing. The third thing is God's peace is more valuable than possessions. Hebrews 11 verse 26 says, He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. In verse 24, he rejects the world's measure of success. In verse 25, he rejects the world's pleasure. And in verse 26, he rejects the world's treasures. That's the big three. He said, I'm going to do what's right because God has called me to do it. God's peace is more important to me than those possessions. He could have stayed in the palace of Egypt and had every possession he ever wanted. But Moses knew that no possession can give you inner peace. Do we know that? Do you know that? Do I know that? Peace does not come from the things uh, of our own, from things we own, I should say, but from being in the center of God's will. Luke 12 verse 15 says, A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. Friend, your self-worth and your net worth are two different things. What do you value? What matters most? What issues is it that God's peace is more important than possessions? Have you found that out? Do you know that? Moses gave up the very three things we spend our lives trying to get. Pleasure, possessions, prestige. That was what motivated this man. That's what made him the way he is. And what was that? The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 26, for he was looking to the reward. He had perspective. What motivates you to reject the world's value system? What does motivate you? And accept God's system in your life. Well, it's your perspective. It's how we look at things and how we see things. It's all in what you're looking at. Are you looking at the here and now? Or are you looking at eternity? Most people live mostly for here. They've never stopped to realize that there's more after here than here. They haven't figured that out yet. The fact is they will spend more time on this side of eternity than on the other side of eternity. It's not wise to choose the wrong thing. But your values are determined by your vision. Whatever you're looking at is what becomes most important in your life. What's most important in your life? What are you focusing on? What am I focusing on? Moses was a man of vision. He had eyes of faith. Do you want the foundation of personal success or the foundation of a life that counts? That's what Moses was doing. Let me give you the fourth and the last thing. If I am going to be the person that God can use, I must never take my eyes off the goal. Hebrews 11 verse 27 says... By faith, 
he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured or he persevered as seeing him who is invisible. Visualize your gold right now. Focus on it. We are successful when we focus on one thing. We constantly keep it before us. That's why vision is so important because the secret of success is persistence and the secret of persistence is vision. What I keep looking at is what I keep moving forward to. I keep moving to be a part of. That's what he tells us. Vision draws us on. When you want to give up, you don't because you have your eyes on the ultimate reward. You don't give in. You don't give up. You don't give away. You stay fixed on where you're going. Notice this verse says, He endured. Or some translations say He persisted. He endured. The key to Moses' success is that He had unbelievable endurance. He refused to give up. Even the impossible situations, He would not turn from. Even in the face of critics, He would not turn from. Even in the wrath of the king, He would not turn from that. In fact, Moses spent most of his time waiting. Do you realize that? He was not going to give up. He kept waiting. Do you realize that from the time God gave Moses the vision of of setting the people free and getting them out of Egypt and into the promised land was 80 years. Do you realize that? Could you wait that long and not give up? He spent 40 years in Midian waiting for God to say, Start. Exodus 2.20 says, listen to this, Moses was content. He was content because he was focused on what he knew was coming. Do you get tired of waiting on God? Do delays tempt you to give up? Have you learned the difference between no and not yet? Have you learned that God's delays are not God's denials and that He doesn't move by our clock? He's building in us what He wants us to be for what He's planned for us to do. That's what it's all about. One of the tests of faith is, how long can you wait? You must never take your eye off the goal so you won't get discouraged. Are you looking at the problems or the one who overcomes the problems? What's your life focused on? Hebrews 12 1 and 2, right after chapter 11, says, Therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's all those people that we read about back in chapter 11. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Those two phrases, looking to Jesus, endured the cross, go together. You can't do one without the first there. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, you're going to run with perseverance. What have you got your eyes on this morning? What has the world got your eyes on right now? Goodness, we must fix our eyes on Jesus. Well, let me give you some life application. I want you to see this and to know it. Let's get real and practical and personal What are you living for? What are you living for? 
More importantly, who are you living for? Am I living for myself? If you're living for yourself, that's a pretty small God. What are you going to do with the rest of your days on this earth? You can't go back to any of those that you've already passed. Only what is in the future. What are you going to do? Whether you live five days or you live five years or 50 years, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with the rest of those days and how you spend them? What are you going to do with that? Are you desiring to profoundly influence people for Christ and for eternity? Then how are you going to end eternity? This is a proving time. Why sell out millions and millions of years for the world's value system here and now? How many of those issues have you settled in your life? Have you settled the issue of identity? Have you settled that? Have you settled who you are and who you want to be? What about responsibility? Have you settled that issue? What are you going to do with your life? What about the issue of priority? What's really most important to you? What about the issue of difficulty? What are you feeling willing to commit in your service? Well, friend, it's really up to you. That's what this series is going to be about. It's up to you. Moses lived out his profession. He just didn't say, I'll follow Christ. He practiced it. He practiced what he professed. I want to ask a very tough question this morning. For those, first of all, who are born again, what do you expect to happen in the day of judgment when you stand before God? Have you thought about that? Child of God, have you thought about that? I believe what God wants to do in our nation and what He wants to do specifically at Crossroads Fellowship is going to take a change in every one of our lives. I think life is going to have to be different for us from this point on. I believe He's waiting for us because He has great things He's going to do. I'm not saying it's going to get easier. In fact, I think it's going to get tougher. But I think God's children are being called to a new level that we've never gone to before. And I think we cannot go there until we settle these issues as Moses did. As he did. I pray that you will do that. If you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're listening to this podcast or you're watching this on Facebook, I want to ask you, how much longer do you think you can live before death comes? Every day, people die around us. Thousands have died from the disease that plagues us right now. What makes you think you've got time? Today may be the only day that you have. God has spoken to you before and He's speaking to you maybe now right at this point. Would you just say yes to Him? God, I am a sinner. By faith, I trust You. I'm turning my life over to You to live for You and to follow You all the days of my life. Would you do that right now? And then would you let somebody know that you've done that? Would you do that? 
At this point in our service, if we had all been together here, we would receive our offering. I want to share with you something that happened a few years ago that we can identify being Kentuckians. In March of 1989, when a taxi driver by the name of Al Gutierrez realized that somebody that rode in his taxi earlier had left some things in the back seat. And what they'd left was four final four NCAA uh, tickets plus $10,000 in cash right in the back seat of his taxi. Well, he was quoted by many uh, newspapers after that. But he said to them, I never thought, I mean, the thought never even crossed my mind of keeping the money. I was going to find out who it belonged to. And he did. And he took it back to them. And he told the San Antonio Express News, he said, besides even thinking about keeping it, what kind of an example would that set for my children? I want to ask you, you've ever been tempted to keep it all? I think sometimes we are. The world tells us that. And as times get difficult financially, we're going to find the pressure even more. But friend, I want to tell you, I want to encourage you, step out and follow God. He will do marvelous things in your life if you, as a child of His, will promise to obey Him in this matter of giving. I pray you experience that blessing. Would you bow with me as we close our time together in prayer? Thank you again for worshiping with us. Continue to minister to those who have needs around you caring for each other and I speak to Crossroads family about that and I am thankful for what I hear from the many reports that people are helping so many others Father I pray that we the people of Crossroads Fellowship would be marked by the presence of the Lord among us that the knowledge of the Lord and the manifestation of your Holy Spirit And your ways would be plain in our midst. May we spread to others the passion for the glory of this great God that we love and we serve. So that others may have the joy of knowing you as well. Father, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hello, church family. This is Laura Shelton. And I'm sure you weren't expecting to hear my voice this morning. But I've been asked to give a report on behalf of the pastor's search team. Early in the search team process, I shared with the church that God had been showing me some things through the story of Samuel and David in 1 Samuel 16, where Samuel was told to anoint the next king. And in verse 3, it says that God told Samuel to anoint the one that he indicated. From the very beginning... Uh, We have not been looking just to fill a position at Crossroads, but we've been looking to truly search out the man that God um, has indicated, the one that he um, has chosen for Crossroads. Um, I'm happy to tell you this morning that we believe we have found that person and we believe that um, God has truly been in it. We are so excited. We're excited about the vision and the vision that, that Uh, God has for Crossroads and where we are headed. 
Um, with everything going on, we don't know, of course, when we're going to be able to meet again. But we plan to, as soon as we can meet, we plan to set a date for him to come and uh, spend a Sunday morning with us um, to preach for us and then to spend some time getting to know him, to, to be able to ask some questions and um, just spend some time with him um, that afternoon. A couple weeks after that, the plan is to um, have the membership to um, be able to have a chance to confirm that he is the man that God has chosen for us. So we thank you for doing your part and for coming around us in prayer as we have worked through this process. But we ask that you don't stop. We ask that you continue to keep praying for this man and his wife as they make preparations, as God prepares their hearts, and as they um, look forward to coming and investing their lives with us. So um, I'm happy to be able to share this with you all this morning. I love you, and I miss you, and I hope to see you soon.